Welcome to the Proven Path Podcast. My name is Paul Kiger, and I'm here with Jared James from Jared James Enterprises. How are you, Paul? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Okay. Pretty good. Just, uh, you know, you're out in the market. You're out training. You're speaking. You're right. coaching. What are you seeing that works, doesn't work? And I'm not asking for a blanket, you know. Give me your like top two things that you see that have worked that you can implement immediately. Okay, I'm going to tell you a couple of things. Uh, number one, what I see is I, I think we have a society, and, I, and I'm, I'm a real, I'm a watcher, like a lot of people, I'm a people watcher. I'm obsessed with why, why things happen, why people succeed, why they don't succeed, uh, because I really believe that once you figure out the why, now you have that key to unlock the door of how. Now you actually, you effectively can make change. And I feel like people are afraid of negativity. Like, God forbid you say something negative. They've been trained. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. That kills my environment. No negative. No negative. No negative. And yet it was funny. They did a study recently, and they, they, they studied these people, and they wanted to see very highly successful people, whether it be sales or whatever. What do they do? And they thought it, they, they actually took a look at what kind of thoughts do they have on a regular basis. And you know what they found? Average people tend to have a, a ratio, a thought ratio of two to one positive to negative. That's the average person, okay? Now, they wanted to take a look at your very, very high producing, very successful people. And the ratio changes. What do you think the ratio changes to? The ratio actually changes. It's not that drastic. It changes from, three, from two to one to three to one. Okay, literally that that's small of a difference. But the main thing that I wanted to point out about that, because, you know, a lot of people look at that and go, okay, great. That's kind of cool. It's one more thing. But what I really got from that was that the negativity is still there. Whether it's two to one or three to one, they still have that one negative thought per two or three positive thought. And I think that negative thought is necessary. I think it's very necessary. I think it's one of those things where it pushes us. It gives us, you know, I was saying something to someone recently and I, and I was just being real about something. I said, you know, you know, you're, you're not being very positive. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'm positive about the thought I just said, okay? Because it, <laughs> it was reality, right? People are afraid sometimes to look in the mirror and say it like it is. We have these words of affirmations. We have all these kind of things. But sometimes we need to look in the mirror and say, I'm overweight. Now let's do something about it, okay? Because now you're actually dealing with reality. So I think on number one, people need to realize that, you know, I do a lot of things on the environment and everything, and I'm all the Mr. Positive guy and these kinds of things. But I'm a big believer that a life full of sunshine leads you to a desert, right? There are things that have to happen. There are storms that have to come, and you have to embrace that and understand that it's not a matter of eliminating negativity. It's a matter of just kind of adding to the positive things that happen, right? Now the other thing I see, this is probably the biggest thing, is that when you look at a crowd, I said to a crowd recently, I said, you know, it was probably a crowd of, I don't know, 800 people. And I said, you know what's funny right now? Some of you are sitting in this room and you're going, this is fantastic. I wish everybody else wasn't hearing it because we're from the same market. And I said, rest assured, 90 plus percent, or percent of you are not going to do a thing. That's, that's unfortunate, but it's true. You're going to leave here and you're going to say, oh, this is fantastic. This is great. This is whatever. You're going to walk outside. This is great. And you're going to look up and go, oh, look, the sun is out. And you're going to completely not do anything that was said. And yet, what's interesting about that is they did a study. Top 100 small businesses, entrepreneurial people in the world right now, companies that kind of stuff in the world right now in a down economy, they did this study, top 100, uh, fastest growing. And they wanted to know what was the number one reason for their success. Why is it working? Why is it when other companies are doing so bad and they're, you know, it's the market and terrible things are happening and the stock market's bad and there's fear and there's all these kinds. Why are they doing so well? And they expected to hear things like systems and, you know, things that I preach, systems and customer service and management and, you know, things that I talk about all the time, their environment, these things. And yet, you know what number one was? Number one was the speed of implementation. Speed of implementation, simply meaning that when you hear something great, when you see opportunities, when you see these kinds of things, you actually act on them. It's such a crazy idea. You actually go out and do what you were taught. You know, I was reading the, uh, the Steve Jobs book recently. 
And it's amazing because you read these biographies of people and generally speaking, they don't make biographies about, you know, people who aren't very good. You know, they generally make them about people who are amazing people that have achieved amazing things. And I am more amazed with the failures they've had than the successes. And it's amazing because you don't hear about those failures. You know, you don't hear about what happened and all the bad things. And you don't hear about a lot of my failures. It's just not the way that it goes. And yet those failures were necessary because they needed to take the action. Whether it worked or not, they needed to take the action. And yet we live in a society where people are afraid to fail. When you're a child, you're learning how to walk. You're a little baby. You're learning how to walk. And you fall down. You're learning how to walk. And you fall down. I have yet to meet the child that looks up and says, you know what? This walking thing's just not for me. They've got ramps now. They've got whatever. I'm just not going to walk. You know, probably more amazing is the child that's talking. But when you get older, what happens? You, if you fall down, what's the first thing you do? You look around to see if anybody saw. I mean, let's be honest. You know, right? It doesn't matter if your, your leg fell off. You're going to drag yourself to a corner, lick those wounds, and move on. But we are afraid to, see, uh, to allow people to see us fail. And so number one thing that I tell people, number one thing I see as far as people not getting it, not performing right now, not hitting their peak potential is the fact that they don't even try. They do not have that speed of implementation. I, I go to events year after year and I see these people and I'm like, how's it going? What are you doing? And, you know, I'm going to smile at them. You know, I'm going to shake the hands, kiss the babies, like you said, right? I'm going to smile at them. And yet I'm thinking to myself, you did not change a thing. You look at one of my, right now I'm writing a new book and it's on the power of patterns. And it's amazing, this patterns thing. It, it, it sounds so simple. And really, that's my job is to simplify things for people. But you start to look at the power of patterns, and it's amazing. One of the, one of the, one of the greatest things I see beyond just the, the, uh, you know, the speed of implementation, these things, is that people are following the wrong patterns. They are getting exactly what they deserve. You know, when you look at patterns, they don't lie. That's what's amazing about patterns. You know, it's just like you can't take a recipe for a pizza, throw it in the oven, and expect a lasagna. You know, the recipes do not add up. Those, those ingredients do not add up. And it's the same thing. When you look at someone, they say, I want to be a top producer. And yet their patterns do not equal what a top producing agent makes. It's, I like to say everybody wants, a, everybody wants a bestseller. Nobody wants to write the book, right? Because there's a pattern that comes. There's work that comes. And so when you look at it, it's amazing. Everything we are right now, everything that we become, our personality, all of these things come from patterns. The only question is, what pattern are you following and are you following it? Let me add to your pattern theory because I, I'm a true believer of that as well. I'm seeing it in, at all of these conventions, at all the events that you go to. People are buying a new pattern every six months, a new pattern every year. And you, you see them, like you said, you know, year after year after year. And it's like, you know, what have they implemented? They're buying a new pattern before they even started their first pattern. And that's something that with agents, especially when you come in new, <laughs> it's like, stop buying all this stuff. Look at what you have. Follow what you have. Try to implement it. You're not. Re there's nothing that's new that you're re recreating a wheel. There's. N it's just. It's all there. Right. You know. And observe. Don't talk as much and observe and just try to. You know. Pick little pieces that other top producers are doing, and at the end of the day, it's usually free. Right. You know. I and then build onto your business once you at least get a little bit. You know, of a pattern of the, the your steps and your processes, and then add to it. I always try to add to my. You know, my book of business, my pattern. I have a rule. Once a quarter, I can add something new to my business, rather if that is a phone or if it's a printer, if it's a scanner, it's a camera, anything that I am buying that's going to be work related, except for like, you know, bounds of paper and stuff like that. But I have a rule. I will not buy anything and add it to my business at only once a quarter. And usually it's only, you know, twice a year because of if I'm buying something every month, I'm not exhausting it. I'm right. not figuring out how to implement it. And it, at the end of the day, I'm not getting my money's worth. 
what are you really saying right now? What you're saying is that we're living in an ADD society. Yeah. I said to a group recently, I said to him, if I could give you a pattern right now that I guarantee you will create eight different transactions for you this year, I guarantee you, all you have to do is spend an hour a day. One hour a day, would one hour a day be worth eight transactions to you this year? All the hands go up. And all the hands go up. And I say, okay, what would that be worth to you? What's your average price point? They said 300000 I said, great, 2.5%, 7500 8 times 7500 60 grand. 60 grand, one hour a day, this will do this. And I said, everybody's hand goes up. That's great. But you know what's going to happen. Let's talk about human nature. What's really going to happen is, is that's going to create eight transactions. Let's break it down. That means you're going to create one new transaction every six and a half weeks. So what's going to happen is you're going to follow that pattern for about a week or two. And then you're going to say, this just isn't working. And you're going to move on. ADD society. I also think that we come from a place, and I see this with people, we have built in, and this isn't a popular point, but we have built in mechanisms to protect us from failing where right off the bat we throw in things that give us an excuse for failing. You know, so in other words, you'll have people who they get in the market and they'll say, well, I'm going to give this a shot. I know the market's bad, but I'm going to give it a shot. And what are you really saying when you're saying that? You're saying when I fail, it wasn't me, it was the market. And so I have this belief, I have this thing uh, called the treadmill principle, okay? And it's a completely different mindset that I think every salesperson, realtor, whoever may be, whoever may be needs to adapt, and it's called the treadmill principle. I have friends that, uh, you know, are better looking than me. I have friends that are more charismatic than me. I have friends that are, you know, whatever it may be, and they always ask me, uh, you know, why do you get to go all over? Why are you, why, are, why do you get the book contract? Why do you, you know, what's going on here, right? And for me, there's a lot of different answers to that. But when it really breaks down, what it really comes down to is this treadmill principle. I have this mentality uh, from a competitive standpoint that if you and I get on a treadmill and, you know, you may be, you know, have more uh, endurance, you may be a better treadmiller if that's such a thing. But if you and I get on a treadmill and you're going to challenge me to a treadmill off, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to get off that treadmill or I'm going to die on that treadmill. And so I don't have the built-in excuse. You're either getting off or I'm going to die. And so that's how I look at things, and that's how I think a lot of realtors need to look at things. Once you understand what you're going to do, you've got that speed of implementation. You say, here's the idea. Here's the pattern I need to follow. It's proven. I've seen it with other people. Here's what I need to do. Treadmill principle. No excuses, no nothing. In every market, somebody makes a fortune, and we are in an industry where it's not an accident. You are paid according to what you're worth. And so if you're making three transactions a year, it's your fault. If you're making 300 transactions a year, it's your fault. I wish they'd do a reality show where they follow somebody that does four transactions a year and they follow somebody who does 100 transactions a year. I would love that. They could never do it because the four transaction one would never agree to it because they already know <laughs> that they're not, the, you know, they're not the good side. But what you would see is you would see a four transaction a year pattern in that person's daily life and you would see a 100 transaction a year pattern in the other person's life and it would not be an accident. Someone said to me recently, I was at an event, we were doing Q&A and I should have been nicer about it, but they said to me, you know, my mother just used somebody else to sell her house. He said, what should I do? And he was expecting me to come back and tell him, well, you're okay, and pat him on the head and say, you know, you just need to do this and that, and you know, give him all the teddy bear answers. And I said, you need to get an office job, <laughs> okay? <laughs> because let's face it, there are people who belong in the industry, and there are people who do not belong in the industry. And we are an industry where you deal with people, you have to engage, you can't be afraid of no, you can't be afraid of, you know, an awkward, but you've got to go and make it happen. And so if you got into the industry just because you saw your neighbor making a lot of money, that is not a reason. You know, I, I don't think enough, this is another thing, I don't think enough realtors right now understand personality traits like they should. I agree. You know, when you look at, there are certain personality traits, there are certain personality types that when you get in front of a seller, that that is a personality you need to feed their ego. 
because they are going to go for that. There are other personality types. You need to go in there and you need to be dominant. You need to be the leader, and that's going to make them feel good. And the problem is, is that realtors especially tend to be a bunch who are very on their own. They're very um, particular about how they do things in the sense that they don't like accountability. This is why they're not working at a corporation. They don't like a boss. They want their own hours. They want it how they want it. There's nothing bad about that. I was in the industry because that is, I like that kind of mentality. I like being my own boss, right? And so the problem is, is that when you, when you explain these personality traits, these personality types, and tell them that they're going to have to make a change and be a chameleon and do these kinds of things, they're saying, well, that's just the way I am. This is how I am. And too many realtors are just the way they are all the way to being broke, mm-hmm. not understanding that that is part of a skill that you need to learn. That is part of the knowledge that you need to gain in order to do well. I think we're an undertrained industry. I think the average vacuum salesman knows more about their product than the average realtor. And so what happens is because people who are in this industry tend to have such a natural people type of personality, and they tend to know how to talk to people. These are people that are drawn to our industry. The flip side of that is is that they tend to wing things because I've always been able to do it. I know how to talk to people. I know how to, right? And so they know how to do this. And the problem is the first time they go into a, uh, you know, a home builder who is uh, trying to sell a house for the last six months and it expires, and the, uh, they go and meet with the home builder, and you know, he fires the other agent. And they go in, they say, well, you know, I've got buyers for this, and you know, these are my type of properties. And they give him the whole thing, and the builder looks back at him and says, you know what? If this is your kind of property and you've got buyers, how come you didn't bring anybody through? And all of a sudden, cricket's in the background. Mm-hmm. They have no idea how to answer because they're under-trained. The last point I'll make on this. I read a great book recently uh, called Outliers that I recommend for everybody, and it took a look at very successful people. And it took a look all the way from, you know, the Beatles to Bill Gates to hockey players, the whole gamut. And they were trying to find out, are people successful just because of their personalities or they were born that way or whatever, or is there something else going on? And they found that the Beatles stunk when they first came out. Didn't even have an hour's worth of material. People were booing them off the stage. They found that the Beatles started playing strip clubs seven nights a week. And the material grew, and before you knew it, they started getting better and better and better. They found that Bill Gates just happened to be born next to one of the only programming computers in the world and happened to be born at a time that when this computer was around him, he had nothing else to do, so he got to go and just sit there and learn programming almost 24 hours a day. They found that professional hockey players, over 70% of them, are born between January and March. And so they're going, well, what is going on here? What is happening? And what they found was that there was one thing that all of them had in common, and that was people that perform at the absolute highest level, not the people who are the all-stars, the people who are just good, I'm talking the absolute highest level, had put in over 10,000 hours of preparation and work. 10,000 hours, that's a lot of time. So go back to the hockey example. They found that because of when the, uh, when the cutoffs were for ages, for you to get into the junior leagues for hockey, all the coaches wanted the older kids. So they picked the kids born between those ages. And now what happened was when you were picked for the junior leagues, you now got three times as much ice time as every other kid. 70% of them now go and play in the NHL. Now is it because they're more naturally gifted? They probably had uh, some of the same natural giftings as the other kids, but they got three times as much. There's a principle here, which is how much preparation have you done? How many hours have you put into knowing your craft and, and now mixing, blending that natural gift, that natural personality, the natural sales skills with now the time put in? Now you've got synergy. What happened to Tiger Woods? Tiger Woods was looked at last year as the greatest golfer of all time. You know, it was almost getting to the point you can't even debate it. It's just an unre- he is going to pass uh, uh, Jack Nicholas, and it's not even a you know, possibility it's not going to happen. And what you found was, was that once he had the issue, 
with his wife and other things and, and everything else that went on, and all of a sudden he wasn't able to practice like he did on a regular basis, what happened? He went from the greatest golfer in the history of the world to a below-average professional golfer. He was missing cuts when he went out. He hadn't missed a cut since the British Open four years ago, okay? And all of a sudden now he's missing cuts and everything else. Why? There is no doubt about it that since he was two years old, his father had a club in his hand, and it was preparation crazy every single day. He mixed his natural talent with that work ethic over 10,000 hours of practice. How much practice have you put in to mix with your personality? It's something that realtors, people in general, are missing, and they need to get a hold of and really take that, take that serious. All right, Jared, so if people want to contact you, how do they get a hold of you? Excellent. Thanks so much. The, uh, the couple different ways. We've got a website, www.jaredjamestoday.com. I wish it was jaredjames.com, but it's a placement firm that's out of business that won't sell it to us. They can go on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash jaredjamestoday, twitter.com forward slash jaredjamestoday. I, I look forward to hearing from so many of you. And Paul, thank you so much. How, how do they get a hold of you? All right. Again, this is Paul Kiger with Remax Advantage. You can reach me at paulkiger.com or uh, Paul Kiger Realty Group with Facebook, Twitter, or you can just Google me, Paul Kiger. That's K-I-G-E-R. And I think some will pop up. Thanks for listening to the Proven Path Podcast. The opinions expressed here are the views of the host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Council of Residential Specialists. Thanks for listening to the Proven Path Podcast. If you have any questions or topic suggestions for the show, send an email to solutions at crs.com.